Well, good afternoon, everybody. What's welcome, up, guys? Welcome back. Uh, we have been on a bit of a break from our lunch hour with Renault over the last couple of months. And so it is nice to jump back good in. Good to be back. Yes, indeed. I um, just want to say hello to those of you who are jumping in with us. Uh, we're going to be taking time today uh, to continue kind of springboarding off of uh, this series that we've been in on the weekend at Mosaic called This Spiritual Life. Yeah. Um, which has been about what does it really mean to actually uh, follow Jesus. And uh, this last weekend, uh, Renaud shared about um, some tools that, that help us in that road and in that journey to following Jesus. And one of those tools is called the Enneagram. <coughs> and so we're going to take just a, a few weeks um, over the next few weeks to really unpack uh, a little bit about the Enneagram, what it is, uh, why it's important, and uh, even do a little bit of a deep dive into some of the, the specifics of the Enneagram in terms of the, the types of personalities and then how that all relates to connecting with God mm. and with uh, understanding the gospel and applying the gospel to our lives, which is really what this is all about, is yep. following after Jesus. Yep. And Absolutely. So, so Renaud, why don't you just unpack a little bit uh, about your journey of <clears throat> discovering the Enneagram? Yeah. What is the Enneagram? Yep. yep. Um, and we'll kind of maybe start there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, the, the Enneagram, the reason we're about to jump into this is because uh, in the journey of being a disciple of Jesus, in the piece of that journey that is community, that it's very important that I am in community, we have come to realize that part of what makes community biblical community is the vulnerability um, equation. And vulnerability is such a difficult thing in the Western cultural context that is such a resume-based culture. Yeah. Um, and, and so accidentally pretense-oriented um, that uh, finding tools that help us uh, cross the boundaries of vulnerability easily are just helpful tools. And the mm. Enneagram has been one of those. It's not the only tool. It's not the primary tool. It's just the one that I think... Uh, I have personally, and I think the people that I that I circle up with have personally found to be incredibly helpful in establishing a deeper sense of exposure and therefore vulnerability that doesn't feel deeply difficult to right. to uh, to cross. And then the other thing that I think has made the Enneagram, um, why we're even dealing with the Enneagram, is that it, it has also simultaneously become a tool personally for me in my personal spiritual journey of maturing into understanding where my life is still unredeemed and where it needs some work on redeeming in, in, the, in the process of God sanctifying or making us like Jesus. So the Enneagram gives me just some tangible space to kind of start, here's some unhealthy parts in me, and here's how we can begin the journey into making those parts healthy. So it's been both a personal help in my missional endeavor of invading the unredeemed spaces in myself and a communal help and vulnerability. So what is the Enneagram? Well, before you get into that, so that's kind of what the why the Enneagram why has we're even talking about entered it. into the conversation. Yes. Um, I want to say hello to a couple people who are joining us. Um, awesome. If you see me grabbing my phone today, it's a little, uh, I'm not just like texting my friends, um, although I might be. Uh, I am, uh, I just updated my computer and so I'm not getting uh, what I am normally able to get on my computer and it actually might die. So, um, I'm I'm uh, I'm viewing our conversation via the phone. So uh, we've got Becky Root in the house. Um, she says, up, "Hope Renault is feeling better." I am. 
I've feeling actually been great. feeling fine for quite a while now. This cough that I had just wouldn't let go. But listen, it's practically gone. Well, praise I God. I might cough once great. or twice throughout time here. But man, last week I was coughing 24-7. So yeah. wouldn't have been helpful to be here. So Yara says, hey. Hey, Yara. Yara Michelle's up? with us. John and April Gill. Hey, uh, <coughs> I'm, I'm neighbors with those guys now. I actually ran into I April at the story. post office. That's awesome. Uh, because she lives in Oakland. Now I live in Oakland. And so... You actually go to a post office to get yes, your mail. Yes, you do. Which is very strange and fun. So, Oakland residents, shout out to you guys. Um, we got Lulu with us. Hey, Lulu. Uh, Donna, Stephanie, Kelly, and Lynn. Lots of uh, folks with us today. So, welcome so, back. Great to be with to, you guys. To uh, lunch hour with Renault. So, <clears throat> yeah. we're talking about the Enneagram. It's a part of the um, series, This Spiritual Life. Um, so, Renault has been talking about just kind of finding it as a helpful part of his journey and next, we're going to talk about really practically, like, what, what is, is the yep. Enneagram? Like, exactly what is it? Yep. And so, Renaud, take some time to unpack that I mean, for very us. simply. And before you do, yep. if you have any questions as we're going through this, please jump in. It's ridiculous. Um, please jump in. Ask try questions. It here. Try and, it. Uh, before you do. Before you do. Before you do. It, well, you know. Oh my it's okay. You can breathe. It's okay to I breathe. can't do it. So, um, cool. So, what is the Enneagram? Let's talk about it. I'm just waiting for a before you do. Before you do. Ah, it didn't come. All right. So the Enneagram, in its simplicity, I mean, really, very simply, it is a personality test slash profile um, tool. That, that's, that's really what it is. It's, it's nothing more than that. It is not some mystical thing. Or, it is a personality test that helps us identify how we are wired. So similar to like a... a Myers-Briggs. Myers-Briggs, or Strength Finders, Finders. DISC. Uh, any of those are personality tests that then help profile the way that we are wired so that we can better understand ourselves. So that's what the Enneagram is. So, so just to dispel any, like, it is a mystical such, it's just a personality test. What makes it unique is a couple of things. One, it is the oldest personality test that we are aware of. Uh, in our historical context. So it roots back to the uh, third, fourth century. So we're talking about not a modern day kind of discovery out of our universities and studies. This is kind of an old one. And so that's always intriguing because if it was around then and it's been around and made its way throughout history, popping up here and there, being very helpful at different stages, that's really intriguing. Um, And then also... Uh, what makes this particular one unique, the Enneagram, uh, is that for whatever reason, that, that honestly, people I talk to that even are Enneagram experts kind of go, yeah, no, I mean, we, we're not quite sure why, but for whatever reason in its, in its origins and its longevity in history, it has a very unique way of identifying not only how I think or how I behave in my particular personality um, profile, but the motives, the, the deeper why I do what I do, the, the how I feel. And so a lot of the personality tests that I've taken that have been very helpful, all the ones we mentioned, they help me identify how I think and how I behave. But man, this one, when you engage in it, you kind of like, oh my gosh, that's how I feel. And the, and the, the well, it's re- like, yeah, it's like <clears throat> multidimensional. So like multidimensional. If, if, you, if you take the DISC, that, that's, <coughs> um, you know, trying to think about how do I interact with people in terms of like 
leadership and organizational, yes. you know, realities, you know, those types of things, super helpful. Yes. If you look at strengths finders, it's like, hey, these are these are the ways the the, the strengths that I naturally bring to the table yep. are applied to my life. If you look yep. at Myers Briggs, yep. you know, there each one of them is a different facet yep. of right. our personality and kind of That's how right. that looks. Kind of yeah. like the diamond illustration right. that That's you've right. used before. So the Enneagram is a different facet of that it diamond is. and kind of really uh, helps you understand, okay, here, here's how I'm feeling when yeah. I'm thinking this way or that's doing right. these things. and then That's right. And the yeah. reason that that's, so, that, that's been so helpful uh, to me personally, and I think to our team here at Mosaic, from a staff team, and, and then to others that I know that have, that have taken this, is because um, it, it helps me understand then uh, what, what's going on inside of me that drives those thoughts and behaviors. Right. And it helps me understand what's going on inside of my friend now that drives their thoughts and behaviors. So instead of me just being able to say, you think and behave this way, and that's either frustrating to me or not frustrating to me, I'm now able to go, gosh, I kind of know what what's driving more deeply inside of you. Um, and, and it gives me an ability to have a much more understanding and gracious and almost compassionate view of your plight and uh, an awe of your, uh, the part you bring to the biblical community. So it, it both causes me to go, wow, I'm so glad we have a bunch of the you wirings around because I now know what God has wired you and, and all of those that are like you for, for the, the larger community. Right. And I also now know when you're behaving or thinking in a particular way that I'm like, I just don't get it, really. I go, oh, no, I get it more now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that's been incredibly helpful. So it's a personality test. That's what it is. Yeah. It's a tool. That's what it is. Yeah, I think one of the other things that's really helpful about the Enneagram versus other personality tests is that there's been a lot of work that's been done about how each personal <coughs> personality type and, and each person's number, and we'll get into that, um, how people operate and think and feel when they're healthy. Yeah. And, and we'll get, how and we'll definitely get into think that. and feel and operate when they're not, when they're not healthy. healthy. And then, and then when you're talking about a spiritual journey and you're looking at sanctification, yeah. yep. that's what we're all hoping for, yes. right? Is to be more like Jesus, yep. um, to, to be healthy and to be able to walk yep. the way that God has actually wired us to walk. Yep. Um, I do really want cool to too, be so. the very best version of the way God has wired and made me right. to be. Right. And, and I get to participate in that though, uh, though I'm not exclusively responsible to produce that, I get to participate that, and, totally. and this tool helps. So, so that's, that's really the Enneagram in its essence, what it is, um, and then the last piece of the what it is, just so we're clear, is the, 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 the name Enneagram. Yeah. Uh, Enneagram, a graphic with nine points, that's what the word literally means, yeah. Enneagram. And so the reason, gram picture, gram Instagram, picture, Instagram, gram. and then Enya nine. Enya means nine. Nine. In so, Latin. so right. uh, there are nine personality types in the Enneagram world, and so there's these nine points within a circle. And the reason that the graphic has the circle with the nine points is because all of the nine numbers interact with one another in unique and particular ways, which we'll get into a little bit. And so that's when you see the Enneagram circle with the nine points and you hear the name Enneagram, those are not mystical things. Right. They're just a graphic that best demonstrates the connectivity yeah. between the nine personalities. And we'll and dig pretty influence. deeply into yes. that over the next few and weeks. And that it's a graphic. That's pretty so cool. that's yeah. it. So that's what Enneagram means. Enneagram it kind of means. has a weird name, so people... Weird name, weird graphic. Out. It's not weird. Um, just real quick before we keep going, I just want to say hi real quick to Diana McCarthy. So this is her first Mosaic experience ever. She's 
on Facebook Live. So I just want to say hi to Diana. Diana, what's up? Great to meet you. Um, she's never been to Mosaic before, and she's interested in coming and checking things out. So, Diana, we'd awesome. love to meet you. So come Absolutely. hang out with us uh, this weekend if you'd like. We have uh, gatherings, um, and all of our times are listed on thisismosaic.org. Uh, we would love to to meet you. So yeah, come absolutely. say hi. That'd be great. Great to have you on Facebook Live. Yeah. Great to meet you. So we've been talking about what is the Enneagram? Why is it helpful? Yep. Um, and so, you know, when you, when you think about, um, you know, the Enneagram as a tool, right? Um, what is, what is the best value of this tool? Yeah, totally. Specifically when it, when it comes to like, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Right. So, yep. How, how do those and what does it mean because, to engage in community right. that is biblical community? So it's it's on those two levels that it is by far the most helpful tool. Uh, the, by far, its greatest help right. is in these two areas. And right. so, so for for me, um, our experience of the enneagram, and when I say our, my wife and mine, mm-hmm. um, happened last summer. Um, we it had kind of started getting around a little bit even here at Mosaic with a couple people I knew and so they just said to me you you have got to take this enneagram and I'm like whatever I've done strength finders and all that and I'm always like yeah no I'll take it because any personality test just so you know is, is always helpful I found all the others helpful but they kept saying I'm telling you man this one reveals in a unique way so finally my wife and I are on vacation and I, I, I remember that. I've got the book on audio with me, The Road Back to You, which is uh, the, the book that primarily describes the different personalities. And, and uh, so we take the test, right? And, and I land as a seven. My, la- my wife lands as a one. We don't have any clue what that means. Right, right. Um, and so we, we start listening to the book, which describes each of the personality types. Right. And um, we're driving in the car, audio book. And my kids are watching a movie with headphones on the back, which I now praise God for, because if they had heard that chapter, they would have me, man, I'm telling you. like, <laughs> Because this chapter is, they're reading about the seven. And um, it was, I've said this a number of times, it was violating, and, and then simultaneously I felt seen like I'd never been seen before. Because it was like, describing like, you? Like, yes, I, I'm like literally listening to this chapter and I'm like, this isn't about how I behave. Anybody can do that. Watch me for six months, write a chapter about me. Right. This isn't even about how I think because you can take those observations sure. about my behavior and then go, you probably think this way by the things I noticed. You say, this was talking about ways I feel, things I'm afraid of or things that I'm challenged by or things that I love that I'm like, I've never been able to articulate that. Right. But as you say it, I'm like, Yes. Yeah. Yes. I do do that. So yeah. um, as, a, as an example, because I think it's helpful in understanding why this tool is so helpful. Um, you know, I, I'm a seven on the Enneagram. So here's some things you'll know about me if you watched me for six months, right? I'm dysfunctionally optimistic. I, I mean, I paint silver linings when they're there. I paint silver linings when they're not there. If they really don't exist, I'll make them up. Um, I also am futuristic. So when I took, for example, the Strength Finders, my number two was futurist. Right. I live in the future. Yeah. So we know these things about me. I'm optimistic. I'm futuristic. I'm hopeful. Okay. Yeah. So the Enneagram tells the same thing. I'm optimistic. I'm futuristic. I'm, I, 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 I'm, I'm hopeful. So I'm right. like, yeah, personality test. Then it says this. Do you know why you're so optimistic and futuristic and, and so hopeful? I know like, because I'm a seven. Uh, that's right. So I'm like, <laughs> no, I don't. Why don't you tell me, you silly thing? And so here's what it starts saying. That people that are sevens like me, we are afraid. 
So now, first of all, I took I, I took issue with that. Right, because oh, yeah, I'm like very offensive. I'm not afraid. Not I'm only afraid is it offensive, anything. but I'm really not. Like awesome. I risk great amounts. Yeah. I. But it said, no, no, you're not afraid in the way you think, like you're fearful. You go take giant risks and all that. You're afraid of two things. You're afraid of pain, mm -hmm. like real hard, deep emotional pain, and you're afraid of missing out. Yeah. Like what? Like yeah. you're afraid of missing out. Right. If things are happening and you miss out, oh my gosh, that's like disaster and pain. You don't love pain. So here's what you do with pain and here's what you do with missing out. With pain, Anytime it gets uncomfortable, people are struggling, you're struggling, what do you bring to the table? Optimism, right. oh, I hear your pain, I feel your pain, but let's wrap that pain in some optimism right. because then it can go away. I can fix that pain like this. Yeah, I can focus and then on here's the best good. part. I take that optimistic thing I've wrapped, I launch it into the future because what happens to pain over time? The old saying, time heals yeah. all things. Yeah. So if I can launch it into the future far enough, right. it's no longer pain and I know right. not longer have to deal with it. So things I'm, will be better down the Yes. Road. Yeah. So my wife is looking at me in the car like, are you listening to this? Because what do I do in my house when my house is falling apart? And the, the, this is what I say to my wife. In, in, in two years, the kids will grow older and then it'll all be fine. So all we have to do is buckle down for two more. I'm always launching into right. the future. Right. This will be okay then. And therefore it's okay now. Right. And then my wife, who's in the middle of the pain and just wants to actually deal with what's going on now, always says to me, you're never present. And you're always... Somewhere out there. The Enneagram was the first tool that helped me understand why I'm not present. Yeah. And, and so uh, here, here's how the Enneagram then becomes incredibly helpful. One, I'm able now to have my wife look at me and she's able to go, wow, Renault's not just a dysfunctional optimist who doesn't live in the present. Renault is escaping pain. And if Renault can learn to be okay with pain, he won't always have to escape with optimism and with futurism. So one, I can, I can tolerate his escapes more, right. but two, I can now be a help, help to him, him in a new into, way, journeying into Journey pain, into health. Into health, that's right. I can recognize that in myself and say, what does it mean for me to be more present? Because now I realize I'm accidentally not present because it's my quick escape. Right. Then on top of that, now I have a journey, my wife has some clarity on why things happen the way they do. I have clarity on how my escape tends to hurt my wife because knowing her number, I understand what she most does or needs in her hard spaces right. and how I violate those or how she violates mine. Yeah. So for example, I, I need to be very flexible and I need to be able to um, move and flow because sevens, uh, they don't want to hold too tightly to the immediate, but my wife needs predictability and stability, and I don't give that, but she also tries to put me in a box all the time because she sees this unstable force of nature trying to roll around, and she wants to keep me in a box, and right. the worst thing you can do to a seven is try to stick them in a box. Yeah. All these things we've learned about each other, it has dynamically changed the way that we both see each other, but also deal with each other, and it came out of vulnerability. When we listen to her number, I mean, I... So, so here's, here's one for you guys. My wife is a one. Mine too. And, and, and that's the perfectionist or, as we have now learned, perfectionist is not such a nice word. Um, although I think it's pretty cool. You make things perfect. But the reformer, she makes things right, mm -hmm. right? But my wife, here's my wife. When she looks at anything, she is wired to find what is not just, what is not right, what is flawed in the system. And then she is wired to want to go and do something about it to make it right. I mean, don't we want people like that around? 
find what's broken in the world and go and redeem it. Does that sound like Jesus? That sounds like Jesus to me, right? He could see what was broken and he redeemed it. But for a reformer, what haunts them then is what's broken. The trouble is every second of every day, everything around you has a broken, uh, this is a smudge. Joel has some brokenness in him, I do. So a reformer, a one, can be very judgmental in the way they come across. They're not actually judging, but they are constantly verbalizing all of the things that are not as they should be with the hope that by verbalizing them, we'll do something about them. Right. Well, if you're around a one all the time, you feel like this one is constantly on you, constantly, so you get frustrated. When I realize that my wife can't sit down in any place without the imperfections coming to life for her, I started realizing how hard a burden is that is to carry. That when you sit down, you see imperfections. They haunt you. You probably knew that about her before. But I didn't see it as a weight or a burden she carried. And I didn't see the motive of why she's trying to verbalize them. I just thought she was judgmental and and critical and constantly on everybody. She's not. Yeah. Wow, that changed the game. Paradigm shift. Now, we still deal with my emotional escapism and her constant need for perfection, but we deal with it so differently. So the value of this tool is one, I can see you differently and you can see me differently, more compassionately, and I can do something about the unhealthy versions of my, my personality wiring and you can do something about yours. But here's, it's even better. I can help do something about yours now and you can help do something about mine. So one of the greatest values of this tool is it helps me understand what a three needs from me as a seven and what I need from a three as a seven. And boy, doesn't that start sounding like I'm here to build you up, you're here to build me up. That is a beautiful advantage of this tool. And that's the really cool thing that's been happening (coughs) over the last few years with the Enneagram as a tool. Um, You know, the Enneagram, its roots are not Christian and the, uh, you know, even, even the book, like The Road Back to You, it's not a Christian book. But what has been happening over the last few years is that some followers of Jesus have discovered the Enneagram and they're saying, well, wait a second, if all of this, if all of this is being revealed about who we are and how God has wired us, perhaps there's a way for us to grow in our connection with God yeah. while we understand all of these things about ourselves. That's right. That's right. Because if God has wired us a certain way, then we are able then to connect with God in a certain way. That's right. By the way that he's wired us. That's right. So connection with God and connection within the biblical community, which we are called as followers of Jesus to live as a community, unified, you know, building one another up, yep. all of these things. But so often we don't know how to do that, right? Yep. yep. And so the Enneagram gives us tools yep. to actually live out the calling that God has given us. And of course, we are relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. We're relying yep. on the Word of God. This is an extra tool that helps us Absolutely. have more clarity of who we are. And the nice thing about the Enneagram is we don't really know its origins super, super well. No one can quite pin it. Because it's that We old. do know that in the fourth century, it was present in two spaces. It was present in the Christian community, and it was present in some other religious communities. So what we do know about the Enneagram is that it was used broadly right. in the fourth century. What we don't know is who birthed it. Was it the Christian community, or was it the, the non-Christian community that birthed it? What we do know is that the Christian community, the early church fathers and mothers, used it. Yeah. So whether it was birthed out of them or whether they found it to be a helpful tool in that time we know that which is a classic christian reality that yep. you know when we look at the things that are out there in the world we can either reject them yep. you know and say that's not for us or 
we can receive them and yep. say, yeah, that's definitely for us. Or we can redeem, redeem them. them. We can say, hey, maybe that wasn't exactly for us. Maybe it hasn't been used in exactly the right way. But we but can, use we it can right redeem way. it yep. in the right way that's because right. we know Jesus right. and we know the creator of all things. Yep. And if anything is created or discovered that is true in any way, yep. we can redeem that yep. for God's And goodness. the beautiful thing, too, is the book, The Road Back to You. It's written by a pastor. Um, who was a pastor for a number of years, and then the Enneagram journey really transformed his journey in with God and with community. And um, it's beautifully written because though it is written to a broader audience than just the Christian community, uh, God and our journey with God is brought into this book constantly. Right. And so it's really cool because it's almost a Christian book yeah. written to a broader audience by a pastor. Um, and so I really enjoyed the way that the Enneagram plays into the broader world and that we can use it now as a great tool. Yeah. Have, have you found any like specifically <coughs> Christian tools uh, around the Enneagram? Like yeah. uh, are there Christian tests or are there books that are written by followers of Jesus yeah. that are for followers of Jesus that yeah. you've found that have been helpful? So now, of course, with the Enneagram being discovered more and more as an incredibly helpful tool in our spiritual journey with God as well as our spiritual journey with each other, meaning how we function as the body, in right? Um, there have been a number of uh, gospel-centered um, men and women that are exploring the details of the Enneagram insofar as how it helps us understand our gospel journey better. Yeah. So um, there, there's a couple of books that have been written that have been fantastic. Um, Enneagram and the Way of Jesus uh, by A.J. Sherrill has been a fantastic book. Yeah. A very short, easy read that helps you understand the Enneagram in terms of its gospel implications yeah. for our gospel journey. Yeah. Um, and and AJ's then, brother, Aaron, is a part of Mosaic. Yeah, which yeah, is absolutely. Really and his sister, uh, Rebecca. So yeah. um, so that's that's really awesome. And then um, the other one that I think has been super helpful is uh, John Fouché, who is, uh, we've become friends with. He has a website, gospelenneagram.com, yeah. that unpacks all of this stuff in beautiful detail. And he has two tests on there, a free test and then a $15 version of the test. Yeah. And um, the free test is free so that people that don't have $15 can take it. It doesn't give as robust a report on the back end. The $15 test is just $15 because of the work that goes into that report. And that report is phenomenal because it helps us understand, once we know our number, it helps us understand how we are going to wrestle with and struggle with our journey of knowing and believing God in certain areas. What I mean by that is this. There are things that a one is going to struggle to believe about God that a seven won't. And there are things that a seven will struggle and believe about God that a, that a one might not. So, for example, uh, just because one and seven, I'm familiar with all the numbers very much now, but one and seven I, I live in every day. Right. Um, my wife um, believing that she is good enough, that because Jesus died for her, that she is good enough right now as she is. She knows that 100%. Yeah. But to believe and feel that is a daily journey for her because her, her number tells her all the time, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. Right. For me as a seven, when you come tell me I'm not good enough, you like walk up to me, you offensively tell me I'm terrible at this. I feel sorry for you that you don't know me well <laughs> because I already feel good enough. And that's how you avoid and that's, the pain of that. That's how I avoid the pain of that. Yeah. And so for God to speak to me to say, um, uh, struggling with things and facing things that need reforming is not bad because I'm, I'm good enough to reform them. And don't make your hope a false hope in false things, but put your hope in me. 
I need to remember that. And a one helps me remember that. This thing that is not, that, that is broken, it needs some attention. I don't give it attention. I just toss it in the future. Right. And so we each bring to the table, uh, rather, we each recognize through the Enneagram the things that might be difficult for us to remember about the gospel. And then we can engage in those truths in the gospel and call our community around us to remind us of those truths so that we better find ourselves trusting and believing God. And that changes from number to number. Right. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So a couple of really cool comments here. So um, Michelle Sanderson says, um, this will be a great tool to help uh, understand my reactions to my family and spouses reactions yes. to my, yes. you know, and vice versa, yes. which is totally true. And, you know, when, and <coughs> what I love about, when we when we bridge you know a tool like the enneagram with the realities of the gospel with um which which obviously the enneagram is definitely it's it's helpful the gospel is the most helpful right so when the gospel is the point it's, the enneagram is the tool it, right was a tool right and so when we bridge that tool with the most important thing what it does is now 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 it actually plays into our our growth with god the way that God is molding us, shaping us, transforming us, making us like him, and all of those things. And so it gives us a little bit of, of an opportunity to more practically sit down and look at this. Because, I mean, the, the reality is that the gospel can be applied to our lives, you know, in a yeah, thousand different ways. What's helpful about the Enneagram is it gives some very specific behaviors, very specific... Yeah ways of thinking, very specific feelings. Yeah, this is how I always think of it. There's one gospel. Right. There's one gospel. Yeah. And everything we do in life ultimately revolves around then what that gospel has now informed us about. Who right. Jesus is, who we are in Christ, and what our purpose on this planet is. Right. right. So there's one gospel, That's it. and it tells us why we live. Yeah. Then there are thousands of tools right. that are helpful in our gospel journey. There it is. Yeah. So as soon as any one of the tools becomes the gospel tool, in other words, the tool we now hold up as the only tool that can ever truly do this, then we have made that tool more than it's ever yeah, meant to like be. Yeah, like if it becomes... And, 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 and I, we'll, I did we'll, want to we'll kind of talk that. about yeah. like... So, so, what what are the concerns and, yeah. and like so, what are some unhelpful ways to use this tool? Yeah. So that's that's one so way. The first right? concern is is that the right? tool becomes the, the tool becomes the gospel, right. meaning the tool becomes for us this thing that has saved our life, right. this thing that has saved our marriage, this right. thing that has given us the truth and insight we have longed for for thirty five years. Like that we before, finally, like like bef- there's it's before almost the like Enneagram yeah. and after the Enneagram. Like, yeah, be- before Christ and after, and after Christ. Christ right? And then so, it's like before the Enneagram, I was this way. And then and after the Enneagram, I'm free. And I'll know? tell you, this tool yeah. has the power to do that. And here's why. The more profound a tool is in giving us clarity and, and insight, the more dangerous it is in becoming a new gospel A for new us. idol. Right, a new right. idol, yeah. right? Absolutely. And so the Enneagram has that. I, I, I definitely tell people, okay, when you first encounter this thing, um, it, it, it will likely profoundly shape the way you understand yourself and you understand those around you, and you will see it as an incredibly powerful and helpful tool. Right. Be very careful that you don't become an Enneagram evangelist right. instead of a, 
a gospel evangelist, right? right? And, and so that, that is a concern always, that the Enneagram becomes more than it ought to be. Yeah. It is a tool that will come, and it is a tool that will go. It will not last for eternity. It will not stand the test of time. It will, yeah. like, the grass withers, the flowers yes, fade, the word of God, the word will, of stand God forever, will stand forever. So the Enneagram is a great tool. Yeah. Let's not make it more than that. That's but let's also not abandon it because we're afraid that it is somehow standing alongside the gospel and diminishing the gospel. It doesn't diminish the gospel. It actually helps us engage in gospel work more effectively. Uh, the second thing I think is that in that same genre, if the Enneagram is used primarily as a self-help tool mm. or a marriage help tool, it doesn't become something that helps me um, focus my attention on my gospel journey, but it just becomes a self-help tool. It's just tool. about personality. And, and look, this will become that in our society because it doesn't just work for Christians. Right. <laughs> It works. It is a great tool. So it's going to help anyone that know the numbers. God didn't just give us a personality once we became a Christian. That Humans is a common grace. are born yeah. with the common grace of having a wiring. Right. And so the Enneagram, if it becomes nothing but a self-help tool, then it is both limited and elevated. Right. Uh, right. And, and both those are negative. It's limited in its power, in to, its actually power to actually transform, transform because the gospel is the only thing that can truly yes. transform us. But it's elevated because people are putting their hope in, in the what, they're, what they're discovering, what they're discovering rather than instead of the gospel. Jesus. That's really good. What yeah. the Enneagram has to become is a tool that helps me in my great gospel journey more effectively That's good. in knowing where the unredeemed spaces exist in me and how I can now participate with the Spirit of God in seeing them shape and change. The Enneagram helps with that. So those are the, t- the two concerns. The third concern is this, weaponizing the Enneagram. Mm. So we are humans. Yeah. And when we are given clarity about other people, right? Vulnerability. Why are we not vulnerable? Because we are afraid. Why are we afraid? Because we have reason to be. When we are vulnerable with other people, they put us in a box. They start judging us in that space. Or they tell other people about how stupid we are because of that vulnerability. So, right. for example, I'm going to use an example that's very direct. A weaponized version of the Enneagram, right? If you end up being an eight on the Enneagram scale... The eight is called the challenger. Mm -hmm. I will tell you the beauty of the eights. I know a number of eights even on our staff team. If we lose the eights, well, if we lose any one of the numbers, but if we lose the eights, I can't begin to express to you what we will lose. They are our knights in shining armor. They are the ones that will stand up to the bully. They are the ones that will stand up for injustice yeah. despite the price. They will the ones the ones that are, that will charge the battle before everybody else does. They are the brave hearts of the world, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, we need. But eights are very direct and challenging, and they don't they don't back off. And so eights in their unhealthy version can be the bully. You're with me? Yeah. So uh, there's the irony. Yeah. The eight is the first one that will stand up against the bully. But they can sometimes be experienced as uh, the, the bull in the china shop, the, the, the one that charges through. They don't care about people. They just care about getting things done. And, the, and so here's, here's what happens. You meet an eight and you're like, oh, you're a bully just because you're an eight. That's weaponizing. Mm. I'm making assumptions about you by your number now. Uh, so me, I'm a seven. I uh, travel emotionally light. What that means is I don't attach to too many things because I'm afraid that the more attached the I am. And so yeah. I say hello and goodbye as, as easily as can be. So what do you, what do you, what do you say about, about a seven? They are prone to addiction and they are not emotionally present. That's not true at all about me. 
Like, don't assume that about me. That is the most unhealthy version of what a seven could look like. I am very emotionally present, and I don't pack emotion. Like, as my wife, when the, when the chapter said of the seven, you know, uh, they don't do relationships long haul super well. And, of course, my wife looks over at me like, that. are you going to leave me? And I'm like, 23 years. <laughs> I've been right here. You know how many reasons I've had to run? I mean, well, we have zero. eight kids. I mean, let's eight honest. kids. No, my wife. I've had no reasons to run from my wife. <laughs> uh, my, my, so, so here's my point. Uh, if we're not careful with the Enneagram, what yeah. it can become is a tool for judgment. I now know things about you as uh, the number that you are. And yeah. I know both the negative and positive things. I read them in a book. Right. And so, so I've now, boxed you into this thing. I boxed you in. Yeah. So every time you say or do anything now, I'm going to go like this. Oh, you're you're being seven. such a one. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So my wife and I had to journey through that when we first encountered this. I would be in the kitchen and she'd be doing something. Like we loaded the dishwasher. The dishwasher's loaded just fine. It's going to wash all the dishes just fine. This is in the chapter. So I'm not telling you a secret that you won't read about my wife anyways. And then she looks at the dishwasher and goes, who in their right mind? would load a dishwasher like this because the plates are sitting in a way that the water's not going to get on them properly. And she reloads the dishwasher. And then she's That has never happened in my house. That That's she had to happened. reload the dishwasher because she wouldn't have had to do that if the world would just understand how inefficient <laughs> this is. And then I'll go like this. In the early days, instead of going, just smiling and going, I love that our dishes are going to be awesomely clean. And next time, let's learn to load the dishwasher a little bit more like Brooke has it. Because the truth is this. She is exactly right yeah. because she's a one. The most efficient way to have that dishwasher run is the way she's about to do it. Why right. can't I learn from that? I'll do this. You know, you're just such, you're so obsessed with perfection. You're such a one. Then what that does with the Enneagram is it makes the person who has now been vulnerable with themselves regret that they were vulnerable yeah. because now you know things about them and instead of using that, that information to be helpful to them or compassionate toward them as they should be helpful toward you or compassionate toward you, you use it as judgment and as a way to point to them and say, you're just being your box right now. Wow. Man, we weaponize this thing and it is going to be a really tragedy. Really so damaging. I am concerned, honestly, about those realities with the Enneagram. But again, our concerns shouldn't cause us to eliminate a great tool. It should cause us to cautiously walk into using this tool and verbalizing those damaging concerns. Yes. And, and so, you know, in the context of this, we're talking about the concerns around the Enneagram. Um, Emily Walker has a, just a really great uh, question here I want to ask. So you ready for this? I am. So she, she says, uh, hey, guys, thank you for this conversation today. Where do you think the line is between things that can be redeemed for our Christian use or things slash practices that cannot be redeemed? From my research, I understand the Enneagram has occult origins and New Age ties. Can those or origins be wisely dismissed or do they affect its current reality? So it's a she's great asking question. about, yeah. you know, how do you redeem it? What is that? So, like? so uh, I've had this conversation in multiple contexts. Um, and so, for example, another sort of controversial space is when you're talking about things like yoga. Uh, that right. This is a space I've had this conversation a lot in because its roots come from a place where it was used um, for particular religious or worship or occult or new age spaces right. and continues to be right. in our cultural context. Yeah. The Enneagram has been used in multiple spaces. So right. here's how I have come to answer that question. 
If the tool that we're going to use, yoga, the Enneagram, other things, if the tool in its essence, any time it's used, it, it, is, it necessitates the connection to or use of those other things, the like occult, the occult or whatever, or, yeah. then you can't really redeem you it. Can't, you have to Because the that. tool yeah. itself cannot function outside of those realities, or it cannot produce anything outside of producing the fruit of those things. Right. So, for example, witchcraft is not something that can be redeemed. It can't be redeemed. It must be rejected because the purpose of witchcraft is yeah. to dabble in you the You can't do um, spells right. in a Christian way. Right. Because the point of both, it, it, it's immediate use is so intricately tied to the fact that the spell is producing something and that it is tied to soliciting power from something that other than God, right. that in of itself, it is what it is. So when you dabble with or play with things where you're like, let's do a seance together right. and ask the spirits to come, but we're going to do it in a Christian way. I'm like, yeah, you, 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 you can't. Right. Because it's not, it, it in of itself, its purpose is intricately tied. Right. Now there's other things that in of themselves, they do not either need or produce what they were once tied to or what they can be tied to. So I would even argue money, right, right. Uh, is a tool, right. but money can be utilized and tied to incredibly dangerous yeah. and terrible things yeah. or good money things. Money can be used to traffic drugs or to build a hospital. That's right. right. That's right. So the Enneagram, when used in a way to tie you to self-help or other religious context, then the Enneagram, for what it's being used, is being used in an unredeemed way, right? Um, if its origins were out of something, because that's just happened to be where it started, but when you use it separate from its origins, it is separate from its origins, right. then you can. So yoga, for example, is a physical... Uh, stretching that science has now demonstrated is incredible for the body in many ways. If you're going to sit and go to a yoga class and the yoga class calls you to meditate on things beforehand or afterwards that are not gospel or not God, you are tying it to things. But can the physical um, use of yoga be separated from those things? And is meditation a Christian practice? And is meditation practice? A, a Christian practice as well? It yes and be, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so now you can redeem it. The right. Enneagram, its origins... We don't actually know. So I've studied this quite a bit. So we don't actually know whether the origins are in the occult um, or in Christianity or in Islam. Or neutral or in, origins that, or, yeah, that we, we really don't. shared. By what we do yeah. know is they were used in Hinduism, mm -hmm. in Islamic, and in Christian spaces in the fourth century. Yeah. We, we do know that. Right. So where, but you know what else was used by uh, <coughs> Islam, Hinduism, and Christians? The bathroom. Yes. They all used the bathroom. They did. They did. They also uh, used, you know, utensils to eat food. Yeah. Uh, they, so they, they are used things, farming tools. Yeah. And, and so, so what yeah. they used it for, because that's the next question, totally, right? Totally. They used the Enneagram for things to tie to their gods and do certain things. And so then we start becoming concerned. Rightly, we sure. should. But then we have to ask the question, if this tool in of itself can be either used to attach to new age things or used to reveal gospel work, then, then immediately I go, if it can be used to reveal gospel work without necessitating a tie to this, I can redeem it. There it is. If yeah. it cannot be used for gospel work without tying it to this, then even though it has positive gospel implications because it has to tie to this for it to function, 
Right. There's the key for it to function. Right. So, for example, if the Enneagram said, in order to take the Enneagram test, it, it requires you first to meditate on the universe. Yeah. Don't take the test unless you meditate on the universe. And if you took the test without doing that, it, it can't work because you need to bring in the power of the, uh, of the spirits of your ancestors in right. order for them Something to reveal like that, the Enneagram. Yeah. And I go, every Enneagram test requires that. Well, you're not going to use that. I ain't to, using that tool. to apply the gospel. To Even if life. it might have good gospel implications, it requires me to right. practice something that is not neutral. Right. Taking a personality test, you can go read the questions on the test. There are questions like, when you're with a friend this way or that way, do you feel this or do you feel that? Right. This one. Right. It has no ties to New Age. Yeah. And then its results do not come about yeah. because a spirit reveals to the computer who I am. It comes about because a scientific algor- algorithm, rhythm, algorithm yeah. uh, produces uh, a picture, and it happens to be very revealing. I hope that's helpful. Yeah, and, and really, like, it is a very good thing. Um, so, Emily, just want to give, give you props. It is a really <coughs> good thing to do your research on, yes. on this kind of stuff. It is a really good thing um, to take the time to, to consider if something should be rejected or received or redeemed, yep. right? Or, or, and I will you know. say with this last thing too, just this is a personal thing. There are going to be things that in general you may find that the general um, research goes, you know, this could be redeemed. This could be redeemed. But personally, there are still concerns that you're like, I don't know. So for example, I'll, I'll give an example. Somebody uh, practiced yoga, right? Before they were a believer. And it became a very big part of their spiritual new age journey. Then they become a believer. And there's a version of yoga that isn't tied to that. But for them, it was such an integral part of their original journey that for them to step back into it would actually be tying them back into spaces that's a stumbling block. Then on a personal note, you should go. That's just not something I'm going to redeem because it was too much tied and can't be quite separated from these other things. There are cases like that, which is why for me, whenever we have things like an Enneagram or the yoga, whatever, I don't do this. You all should definitely do this. Trust me, it can be redeemed. I go, look, we've studied it deeply. I'm very comfortable to say this is not tied to those things. It can be used, but that's still a personal journey that you need to take. There's other tools that have no origins like this that will produce similar kinds of things. Go do one of those tools. Go do Pilates or Go take Myers-Briggs. Uh, I think it will show you other things that this won't, but that's okay. So it is Because very, the point is the gospel. The point is the gospel. Right. The point is the gospel. Yeah, it's really yep. great. So, you know, over the next few weeks, what we'd like to do is take a little bit of time to get into the specifics of these numbers. Yeah, sure. Um, so the Enneagram, it's a, <coughs> a graph of nine numbers, and they tie together in different ways. And so... Mm-hmm. We'll and, talk about that. So why don't yeah. you talk about the numbers, the wings, yeah. and the triads? So, so let me just talk about how it works. Yeah. And then the next yeah. few weeks we can, we can work and through we'll it. So I've, I've dug into this a lot because a lot of people get confused, as I did in my f- first year of navigating. It's like, what really matters? Is it your number? Is it your secondary number? Do you need to know both? Is it your wing? What is a wing? What's the number that you become when you're stressed? And, and so you start feeling like this, like this is a complicated, crazy thing. So what I've been trying to do is... Simplify, simplify, simplify. What essentially, when you take the Enneagram, matters most? That will be most helpful in you understanding. And here's what I've, here's what I've concluded, okay? So when you take the test for an Enneagram, 
you might take the test and be fairly close on multiple numbers. So you might test high on a seven, but also high on a two, and also high on a five, for example. You might test sure. high on an eight, a one, and a, and a three. And they're kind of equal. Right. This one's a little higher. So then typically of other tests, personal tests, you go, I'm mostly an eight, secondarily a three, and then third, I'm a one. So you go read those three chapters and you're a bit of all those things. That's not actually how the Enneagram works. The test isn't, like other tests, helpful in the same way. The test is helpful in giving you your initial, you're probably one of these numbers. How you discover which number you are specifically is then by going and reading the chapters that describe the number so that you feel it. You're like, wow, that, that epiphany I had when I listened to my chapter and I'm like, oh. That's They're me. talking about me. I've had people right. test as an eight, for example, and then a high three. Then they go read the chapters and they're like, I'm definitely a three. Right, I'm not an eight. I, that I, is not me. I have aspects of an eight in right. terms of my behaviors, but the reason I'm behaving that way is more because I am a three. Right. And so the way I tell people to do it, take a test, get your high numbers. Then if you have one particular high number and the rest aren't high, great. You, you probably have your number. Go read the chapter. If you have two or three numbers that are all equally fairly high on the test, go read the chapters on those numbers, mm. and you will feel which one you are. Right. Once you've identified your number, I am a seven, mm. right? Then you go, I'm a seven, but a fairly high three. No, 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 no. Don't do that. I'm a seven, the only reason it's helpful to know that your next highest number on the test was a three is that sometimes you might behave as a seven out of your sevenness a little bit like a three sometimes does. So it's helpful to know that. But ignore the secondary number. Once you have your primary number, your next task is to know your wing. A wing is not your second highest number. Like right. seven wing three can't be. A wing by definition, the reason we call it a wing is it's the number next to you on this side or it's the number next to you on this side. So if you're a nine... It's either a one, because it cycles, or it's an eight. If you're a three, it's either a two or a one. The wing has or to a be four. a number. The three, if I'm you're sorry. a three, it's a two yeah. or a four. Yeah, that, that's right. So here's the deal. Your wing is not the number you're secondarily most like. Right. Sometimes you'll be a seven and you're nothing like an eight or a six. But of the two, you resonate most with the six, say. Here's why the wing is important. Listen very carefully to this. The kind of seven I am changes whether I have a wing eight or a wing six. Right. It doesn't mean I'm like an eight or like a six. It means a seven with a six wing is a particular kind of seven. And a seven with an eight wing is a particular kind of seven. The wing just helps me understand what kind of a seven I am. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So now here's what I've done. I've, I've, I've found my number. I'm a seven. I found what kind of seven I am by knowing which wing I am. And with that information, what kind of seven I am, my next endeavor is now this, to find out what is the unhealthy version of that seven and what is the healthy version of that seven. And the way they do that, the way you recognize whether you're in the unhealthy space or the healthy space is a seven, when they're unhealthy, will behave like the negative version of one of the other numbers. Mm -hmm. And it'll tell you which one that is. It's always the same. And a seven, when they're healthy, will behave like the positive, healthy version of another number when I'm, when I'm stressed. So now, why is that important? Because when I'm behaving like a negative one, guess what I can know about myself as a seven? I'm currently very stressed. I'm behaving out of stress. 
But when I behave as a healthy six, then I am currently in a good place. Well, that gives me information that's very helpful to how I deal with my day. Right. And then it gives you what a healthy seven looks like, what an unhealthy seven looks like, what a neutral seven looks like. And it gives me, oh, when I'm behaving this way, that's an unhealthy seven. I recognize that now. So, so what I love about the Enneagram is once I have my number and I have the kind of number I am by my wing, now I have information that can help me become a healthier version of me. And here's why that's important. A healthy one, seven, three, nine, eight, pick a number, is awesome. The healthy version of any one of these numbers is like a gift to the biblical community, to the family, and even to the kingdom of God. Right. An unhealthy version of any one of these numbers is brutal. Yeah. And what a gift it is to us to now have information that helps us all work toward being healthier versions of the way God has wired us. Yeah. So we can be greater gifts to the biblical community, to our family, and to the kingdom of God. In its essence, that's how it works. So we have a few more minutes. And w- one of the other things that I think is really key in how the Enneagram works is in the way that we connect with God. Y- so, yes. Um, so we've talked about the Enneagram <coughs> and understanding our personality and how we function in the world around us. But a big part of why we're stepping into the Enneagram at, at all is that we're looking at this spiritual life and asking, how do we follow after Jesus? So there's also been work that's been done on, yes. okay, how do you connect with God based on um, the way he's wired you? And the Enneagram helps you understand how you're wired. So what are, what are some things that we can discover about how to connect with God based on the way he's wired us? And why is that important in spiritual formation? So I'm, I'm opening a document right now that, that, will, that will really give you a great uh, idea of how this... Um, how this helps, okay? So um, I'm going to pick a number here. I'm going to take the type two, just a- a randomly. So when we understand our number, here's what we might uh, think as a two. It's not okay to be needy. I am loved and valued if I care for others without regard for my own needs. That is something a two is going to believe and feel. My needs don't matter. Other people's needs matter. So just the two is the helper. The helper. Right? So. And my value and my significance is how willing I am to lay myself down sacrificially to help others. Now, is helping others sacrificially a wonderful thing? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. But the two struggles with that belief system that that's where their value is found and that's where they go. So that's their narrative, their false narrative, okay? Um, their survival strategy is I must be helpful and caring. Must. I must be helpful and caring. Then watch this. How to best love a two. Then there's a whole list of the things a two needs to hear from me regularly that helps the two go, your, your false narrative is false. You're going to still be very helpful, but you need to care for yourself. And being needy is not actually bad. And we all need each other. And all these yeah. things. Then there is gospel verses that the two type needs to memorize to remember that God so, for example, uh, in your weakness, I will be strong. Weakness is not failure. Uh, that's also one an eight needs to hear all the way. Because an eight believes the second I'm weak, I have failed the world. I got to be strong no matter what. Well, God would say that's not true because you can't be strong all the time. So we start realizing in my gospel journey. So listen to this. Bible verses for type two to memorize. John 13 uh, 8, 1 Corinthians 12, 9. There's all these Bible verses that like, if you memorize these, they will keep reminding you as a two, 
hey, re- relax, your needs matter. Because as a okay. two, I'm wired to believe the gospel in certain ways yes. more naturally, and I'm wired, wired. to disbelieve yeah. more naturally. So, for example, a two will never have any issue with serving the community as the gospel calls us to do. That, I mean, you get, boom, done. What a gospel. In fact, the two will constantly take the whole biblical community and say to them, guys, we are made as the church to serve the community. Let's go out there and serve. Right. And don't we want that? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. But the two will also need to believe some things. So each number has a whole list like this. Here's what your false narrative is. Here's what you actually bring to the biblical community beautifully. As a seven, I know this. I bring hope. Do we need hope? You guys all need hope? Yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. I bring that. I'm a seven. I bring that. But I also need to be reminded from others about a number of things I forget very, very easily. A two brings help. A one brings goodness and justice. An eight brings, uh, brings the, the, the charge to go and redeem things. And we all have false narratives. So that's how the gospel journey becomes beautiful in this. Okay. And again, if we don't use it for these things and we just use it for self-help, then it is a limited and overly elevated tool. So over the next few weeks, we're going to take a little bit more time uh, to unpack some of the, the specifics of these numbers. Um, we'll take uh, three weeks, and yep. we'll deal with a triad each week. We didn't and mention the triads today. We'll deal with them next week, and you'll understand why there's three sets of numbers in each of these things. Yeah, and they're all kind of related. <coughs> so we'll be able to tackle those one week at a time. And as we do that, we'll talk about how that relates to biblical community and how that helps us in that process. We'll also talk about what it means to connect with Jesus and believe the gospel yes. and to utilize this tool for that end because at the end yeah. of the day, that is uh, what matters. I mean, that's really what we're going to be doing over the next three weeks is not just talking about what is this number, but what I just did now. What's the false narrative? What, is the, what does this number bring to the biblical community? What does this number need to remember of the gospel? What spiritual disciplines are necessary for this number to work at and which ones are easy? We're going to do all of that stuff with each number. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, by the end of the three weeks, we should have a pretty clear idea of, gosh, that's it. And you will probably, if you're watching over the next three weeks, You'll hear a particular number, and deep in your soul, even the bit we do, you'll go, oh, I think that's me. Yeah. And that's where the beauty starts yeah. beginning. Or so. that's my friend. That's, that's my, my spouse. Friend, yeah. That's my coworker. And by the way, FYI, just a quick thing, we're not really supposed to guess at other people's numbers. And here's why. Because what we observe can often be either an unhealthy or healthy version of one number, and we're experiencing them as another number. Right. So, for example, if you were observing someone you thought was a one, but they were an unhealthy seven. That's why they're behaving like a right. one. So we can guess some, but we shouldn't guess too much. Yeah, but we it can start, a, it but can it can start, start a fun a dialogue. Great you know, dialogue. Sure. That's exactly right. So, which is fun. So it will be a fun dialogue over the next few weeks. Uh, jump in with us. Let your friends know that this is happening. And uh, it'll be a great time. Um, please feel free to join in on the conversation. And as always, you can listen to any of these episodes after they are published. Uh, on our podcast so you can check that out on the uh, itunes store Um, just search lunch hour with renault it is the only one uh, that you will find and uh, yes it is the advantage of having a weird name yeah there it is all right well thank you guys for being with us it's really been great to be with you guys really really has great to be back and excited that the summer's behind us both for the sake of doing lunch hour with renault and for the sake of having children in school and so to all you parents that are weeping because summer's over and your children are going back to school. Man, love you. You're amazing. 
love. I have eight kids, and I'm just glad they're going to be back in school. Yeah. No, I do love my eight kids. Man, whew, yes, summer's over. Summer's over. All right, we'll see you guys next week.